And we started by helping companies run their sustainability programs, getting employees to save energy, waste, water, and fuel, proving the environmental impact that was having, the financial benefit that that was having. And then as we were doing that, we started to realize there was this very powerful connection between employees who participate in sustainability programs and positive HR outcomes, the ability to track talent, retain talent, improve talent performance. This is Groundbreakers, a show about social entrepreneurs and the innovation they lead. Welcome to another episode of Groundbreakers Podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian DeBurs, and today on the show, we have the founder and CEO of WeSpire, Susan Hunt-Stevens. Welcome, Susan. It's great to be here, Sebastian. Thanks for coming to visit us here in Boston. Yeah. So we're here in Boston, Massachusetts, the headquarters of WeSpire. And our listeners are so curious to hear about the story behind WeSpire. The story starts, sadly, at the emergency room of Boston Children's Hospital. So when my son was about two, he ate a cashew. And uh, sadly, like a lot of young children at the time, almost died from a food allergy. And I became one of those moms who had to start reading every single label around food to understand what was in it. I would go onto Google and Google something like sodium benzoate and learn that it's not a nut or a sesame or one of the things he was allergic to, but it would say that it caused hyperactivity in young boys. And it's like, why are we eating this? And so I had to change literally in a very short period of time everything about how we ate. And this was pre-inconvenient truth, pre sort of the awareness that was growing around the impact of our environment on our health. So it started with food and then realized that our air had a lot of things in it that we needed to be worried about and became fascinated just with sustainability and health and that connection between sustainability and health. And so. I did two things, and I was a senior executive at the New York Times Company at the time, running one of their big digital media properties. I went back to grad school at night to study sustainable design, and I started a, a mom blog focused on sustainability and became one of the early green mom bloggers. As part of that process, got to this strange confluence one day in one of my classes where I realized there were these really cool apps being developed to help people lose weight, to help people be more fit. And I thought, why shouldn't there be an app to help people be more sustainable? And so I did a one-page business plan, you know, idea for it. I showed it to five folks that I knew in the venture community. And the fifth one, a gentleman named Jim Matheson, looked at me and said, you need to quit your job today and go start this company. Well, I didn't quit that day, but I quit pretty close after, maybe six, eight weeks afterwards, with a vision for what has become WeSpire. And so how did you come to give yourself permission then to quit your job and act on your vision to start this company? Well, so I'd been an entrepreneur before. I had started, a, I'd been a co-founder of a company previously, and I'd raised venture capital for that company. And I loved being an entrepreneur. I didn't love the problem we were solving. And hindsight 2020, in my heart, I'm a social entrepreneur. I want to spend my life 
figuring out solutions to big, hairy, audacious social problems, but with a for-profit business lens around it. And the first startup I did just didn't have that. So it was cool, it was interesting, it was fun, it was technology, but in my heart of hearts, I wasn't gonna spend the rest of my life solving the problem we were solving. Unfortunately, that startup was wiped out in the whole process around 9-11. So I wound it down and went back to the New York Times, which at its core is a social enterprise, if you really think about it. I really, you know, was looking for a problem to solve that I was passionate about. And that's really where this mix of this personal experience I had, my, you know, at that time, 15 years in the forefront of digital media, and a little piece of being in digital media is that the New York Times, where I started my career on the digital side, was one of the first companies to really do behavioral advertising. And I actually helped author one of the first white papers on behavioral advertising in the internet. And so I knew a ton about how to use technology to drive positive or to drive behavior change or get people to click on ads or, you know, things like that. But the fact you could start to use technology to drive positive behavior change and to help people take action around things they were passionate about was sort of the aha moment that I had in this sustainable design class, you know, as I'm using these different apps and realizing, wait, there's a way to do this. How did I get the courage to do it? I think Adam Grant is one of our advisors and he wrote the originals and I, found myself really resonating with one of the observations he made about entrepreneurs is that we actually take calculated risks. I had been thinking about this idea and putting sort of numbers around this idea for almost a year before I started showing it to people and started thinking seriously about going to do it. I also had sat down with my husband at the time and you know when we were talking about this and said, all right, how much time and how much money are we willing to invest to see if there's a there there? And there's actually this very funny Harvard Business School case about that decision that we made as a couple to do this. And it was a very interesting process to sit in the class and hear the students talk about the decision we made. And the, you know, the opinion spanned the gamut from, wow, you know, that was such a great way that they figured out, it's so collaborative and all this, to people thinking I was this, you know, super selfish and terrible to quit my job and I'd been you know a major wage earner for the family and to you know jeopardize our financial situation to go do this and so I think it was the support of him it was the support of people I cared about and it was really feeling like I need to be able to look my kids in the eye in the future and say I did everything I could to solve this problem and so how does we aspire how do you define the problem you're tackling here? So we are trying to inspire positive human behavior change at scale. We are trying to help people live healthier, more sustainable, more inclusive, better lives. And that's the mission that we started with on day one. And while the business is totally different than how we started, it's still at the core of what we do. And inspiring people to build a better working world is our actual mission statement. But the first day we started, it was inspire people to make healthy and sustainable choices. So it's gotten grander in scale along the way, but it's all about inspiring people to make positive change. Yeah. And so what does We Spire, how does it work? How does the business work? So 
We found our opportunity was to actually, rather than go direct to people and using it in their personal life, in a consumer model, that the best way to reach people and inspire positive change turned out to be through their workplace. And so we make our platform, our technology platform, available to companies who use it to design, market, and measure the business impact and the social impact of positive, the positive behavior changes that their employees are making. And we started by helping companies run their sustainability programs, getting employees to save energy, waste, water, and fuel, proving the, the environmental impact that was having, the financial benefit that that was having. And then as we were doing that, we started to realize there was this very powerful connection between employees who participate in sustainability programs and positive HR outcomes, the ability to track talent, retain talent, improve talent performance. Because we've figured that out, our clients have really pulled us to start handling other positive business programs. So several years ago, we launched uh, the ability to support their social impact programs, getting their employees volunteering or more engaged in the community, disaster preparedness, civic engagement, things like that. We launched a well-being module, getting employees to, yes, eat healthier and be more fit, in a traditional sense, but that isn't where we stopped because we didn't think that really addressed the whole issues of, you know, social well-being, mental well-being, and things like that. So we have meditation and mindfulness, family work-life integration, things like that in that module. And then just recently in, in January, we launched a module on positive workplace culture that tackles things like diversity and inclusion, innovation, agile work, recognition, just all the things that really make people feel like they're in a positive culture environment at work. So let's dive deep into workplace behavioral challenges. Like what, what makes work tough for people and what is WeSpire doing to alleviate and make the workplace a better place for employees? So there's a huge gap between intent and desire and action, whether it's at work or in, in people's personal lives. Almost everybody wants to do things to be healthier and more sustainable. People want to work in a more positive, affirming, inclusive culture. But many don't know what to do. And there's this conversation that we hear over and over when we talk to employees that was, just tell me what to do that's going to help. And historically, I think the, the traditional approach that companies have used is they've communicated kind of what you should do. So they'll put up signs, you know, they'll send an email, they'll put a link to an article, and they may run these programs like a donation collection or things like that. But two things have been missing, which is the, the real activation, you know, and the real behavior change that's happening at scale and the measurement of the impact that that behavior change is having. Those two things just most employees don't have access to if they even know that the program exists. So we recently were working with a client who'd had a very successful program for three years, but was thinking about taking it to the next level. And one of the things that was bothering them was that you know they'd attracted about 25% of their workforce to participate in their sustainability initiatives, but really wanted to get to the remaining 75%. Why isn't everybody engaged in this? So we surveyed all, all their employees and got you know statistically representative sample back of people who hadn't participated. 71% said they didn't participate because they didn't know about it. And what program was this? 
So this was their big sustainability initiative okay. that we okay. were helping to power. So yeah. they just didn't even know it existed. And and it had been going for three years. They felt like they'd been doing everything to make. So one thing that really we learned in that process is that there'd been a lot of communication through certain channels, but it really hadn't been embraced holistically. It wasn't getting talked about at town halls. It wasn't showing up on every screen. And most importantly, people didn't see the impact they were having. And so this is the kind of work that made us realize how important it is for employees to see the impact they're having to be able to encourage other employees to join. So now our platform and our programs really have a lot more storytelling and a lot more social hooks. We're built on a, on a framework out of the Stanford Persuasive Technology Lab. A gentleman by the name of BJ Fogg has written extensively and done a lot of research around this framework around behavior change. And what it is is that people change their behavior when they hit an optimal point where their ability to take an action has been optimized and their motivation to take that action has been optimized to the right time, the right place. And then there's nudges and triggers put in place that get them to take it. And particularly in, in the areas we work in, health and well-being, sustainability, you know, social impact, diversity and inclusion, there's actually a lot of ability issues that have to be resolved for a person to be able to take that action. And yet I t think companies tend to approach this as a motivational problem. Right. And so when you tackle the ability issues by storytelling and videos and education and activation and connection and really showing people a pathway and break it down into small steps, you increase their ability to a point where then the motivation can, can happen. And then you can put the nudges and the triggers at the right time in the right place. But, you know, we say, you know, reduce your meat consumption and be more of a vegetarian. Well, how do I make a filling lunch if I'm a vegetarian? Because when I try these vegetarian salads, I'm starving by three o'clock in the afternoon, right. you know? And so tips about how to add nuts into your salads and, you know, legumes and things like that are actually super helpful. And then when you can show which kinds of salads actually don't make it so your stomach's growling at three o'clock, you're more likely to do a plant-based diet at, at noon. Yeah. Then if people aren't helping you understand, how do I create a filling lunch? Because the barrier sometimes to be a vegetarian is that you're literally, literally hungry when you try. <laughs> and yeah. So we use, we use those techniques to encourage more plant-based eating, for example. Ability, right? Because yeah. motivation, we, all, we, we have such a blaming approach as if people are not motivated. But it's really that maximizing the ability in addition to their motivation. Yeah. And putting and, and motivation is important, but recognizing that, that motivation can come in so many different ways. So you can be motivated. The most powerful form of motivation, Cialdini and others have proven, is social motivation. When you know that this is what all your friends are doing and all your colleagues are doing, you are much more likely to do it because you want to fit in. We are, we are social creatures and we want to be like those around us. And, and so the people around us can actually be a positive influence or a very negative influence. And you can obviously see that with people who live in communities with high smoking rates are more likely to smoke. People in communities with high obesity rates are more likely to be obese. So the challenge with things like sustainability and volunteering and inclusivity is like, how do you see it? How do you bring visibility to those behaviors to show that the culture and the social norm is changing. And so that's one of the things that happens when people participate through our platform in these programs is the visibility of this, the social norm in the workplace changing comes to life. 
and you can really be inspired and motivated by the social norms. We also use game mechanics. You know, we have adopted the same techniques that create a lot of people using a lot of time on things like Fortnite <laughs> into our platform for those people who are more achievement oriented, for, for people for whom the social aspect is nice, but they really actually are more motivated to beat themselves, you know, to see a pathway to progress, to accomplish challenges and, and to move that way. Often we just need a little reminder. You know, we just need that nudge or trigger that's yoga starting at noon. Oh yeah, yoga starting, okay, I should go. You know, I was knee deep in something else. And so those nudges and triggers can be very powerful as a way yeah. to engage people as well. What is the, how does Weespire imagine the future? So I think to be successful, every company is gonna have to be a, a, a shared value company to use Michael Porter's language or a purpose driven company to use Aaron Hurst's language. I think that is going to be required as part of your license to operate. And therefore, to do that, your every company is going to have to have a culture and, and to engage and align their people around how their role contributes to that purpose and, and impact-oriented aspect of the company. To do that, every employee is going to have to have access to the tools and the training and the content and the motivation and the inspiration and the community to inspire that. I don't see a reason why every company in the world doesn't need a platform like Weespires. And I think that's seriously the opportunity. I think what's still coming together are all these disparate pieces that now sit in different verticals. So I'll give you an example that, that we're wanting to do a lot around. $48 billion is spent on rewards and recognition. And very few companies, if any, align those rewards and recognition with their shared value goals. So they have these amazing goals, and then when they're trying to recognize employee, they give them a spot $25 bonus, or they might do a gift card to some retailer, or things like that. Well, what if instead of that $25, the employee had the choice to fund an entrepreneur um, through Kiva? or contribute to an Indiegogo campaign for a local business, or to be able to purchase health classes um, and nutrition classes through MindBodyOnline or something like that. If we could rethink the rewards piece and tie that into the engagement piece, where an extrinsic motivators are gonna be used, why not have them aligned with purpose and positive impact? And so these are the conversations that we're trying to have and catalyze in the ecosystem, because we know that we're the piece that does the design and the communication and the measurement, but we would love to bring in that, that reward side. And I think that ends up being you know the platform that wins. This would really transform the way that we think about even the word compensation, right? We compensate a worker for what they offer. The, but that's not what you're met, you're describing here. You're describing a way that which you, the employer can return or really give new value that the employee themselves can. The value you contributed to, to us, we will now give you the opportunity to contribute to others. And that doesn't mean that every now and then that person doesn't want to go buy a camera. But really, I think most employees, all the research out of Harvard is showing that pro-social incentives are much more powerful than cash incentives. And so this idea that I create value, that, that you return some of that value to me, which gives me the power to return that value to others, you know, is, is transformative. And so a world where that's how business operates is ultimately what we're trying to catalyze. And so speaking of these behavioral insights they are employing, we have scholars like Adam Grant, 
Daniel Pink. People are really reimagining the way that motivation works and pro-social behavior. How is WeSpire integrating these behavioral insights into its platform and its service? There's a very long answer to that that involves walking you through wireframes and things like that. So let me try to, to sum it up and be a little more succinct. In the framework we uh, talked about from BJ Fogg, where we talk about ability and motivation and nudges and triggers, you can imagine what nudges and triggers look like. They're notifications, there's a, they're alerts, they're something that, that resonates and pings you that you might be interested in. You've seen this in every, if you've ever belonged to a social platform, you know what nudges and triggers look like, you know, so-and-so just commented, you know, things like that. But where the fun is and where I think we've really worked hard to integrate what we've learned from from Adam and others is in the content and in the mechanics that we're using to drive behavior change. So for example, so one of the things that Adam did the research with Google on is to show that psychological safety is one of the things that leads to high-performing teams. Every business wants high-performing teams. How do you create psychological safety? So what we're working on is how do you motivate and inspire people to increase psychological safety in the teams they're part of? What are the actions and behaviors that create psychological safety? And how do we encourage people to do those behaviors? And so, you know, these concepts of, wow, psychological safety really matter. He's really proving that, that's awesome. And we kind of say, well, how do we activate that? How do we create psychological safety between groups of people? And that's the example of how we're using those insights to drive content. Whereas, you know, in the area of behavior change, you know, there's what are called dot changes and span changes and path changes. And dot and span changes are the first thing you need to do before you can get lifelong habit change. Let's take biking to work as a challenge. You don't just go to start biking to work every day one day. One of the things you can do is you can challenge people to bike to work once. And that process of biking to work once and all the things you have to break do down ability-wise are, are gonna get you to do it that one time, that dot change. And that's how we're taking, you know, what BJ Fogg and others have learned is let's get people doing something once because now we've made it the ability optimized. And then we can work to say, okay, how do you just start doing this once a week? And then how do you start doing this multiple times per week? And even if a person doesn't get to biking every single day, if you can even change their behavior so they're biking once a week, that's a 20% resource reduction drop. And it improves their health by that amount in fitness days and things like that. And so it's breaking it down in that way to then, you know, drive a group of people to bike once and then drive a subset of that group to bike once a week and then drive a subset of that group to, to do it more frequently and become a lifelong change. Yeah. In a beautiful way, you know, the business opportunity and the well-being of people align here. It's, that's one of the things that I think is, is most exciting is that we have the opportunity to build an extraordinarily successful technology company that is making people's lives and the world and the companies we work in better. If you want to tell us your story or nominate a Groundbreaker, visit our website at www.groundbreakerspodcast.com and make sure to subscribe on whatever medium you're using to listen to this podcast. Our show this week was produced by Anna Batson, and thank you so much for listening. I am Sebastian DeBurs, and this is Groundbreakers, the story of social entrepreneurship.